بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم نحمد نسلی علیہ رسول الکریم اما بات الحمد للہ ٹوڈے از دا ایٹ آف اپریل ان دا ایئر ٹو تھاؤزنڈ The glorious battle of Badr was fought and won by the grace and mercy of Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the significance of which our beloved messenger had supplicated sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that if you, O Lord, do not want to be worshipped on the surface of the earth then if this band is defeated then that will be so. So the significance of the battle was Islam itself and Allah the Almighty and Glorious gave a glorious victory not only to his beloved but also to the establishment of the deen and this is why in the Quran Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions it وَلَقَدْ نَسَلَكُمُ اللَّهُ بِبَدْرِ وَأَنْتُمْ عَذِلَّ فَاتَّقُوا اللَّهَ لَعَلَّكُمْ تَشْكُرُونَ Allah Ta'ala had already given you victory at Badr when you were helpless will you not give thanks so of course we thank Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for that most priceless victory. And we move on to verse 18, i.e. of Surah Maidah. So inshallah today going through two of the verses up to and including verse 19. So verse 18, the Jews and the Christians, they say, we are the sons of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his beloved. Say, why then does he punish you for your sins? Nay, You are but men of the men he has created. He forgives whom he pleases and he punishes whom he pleases. And to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala belongs the dominion of the heavens and the earth and all that is in between. And unto him is the final goal. So what was the reason for the revelation of this verse? So the first report is recorded in Ibn Ishaq. Ibn Hisham in his Seerah, page 306 of the New English Translation, Fat al-Qadir, Tafsir al-Khazin, and Tabri in his Tafsir, number 11,616. Ibn Ishaq, he relates, Rahmatullahi, An-Nu'man ibn Adah, Bahri ibn Amr, and Sha'as ibn Adi, they came to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and exchanged talk with him. So stop in the report. Who are these three? These were th- three rabbis. They came to the Prophet ﷺ. The Prophet ﷺ invited them to Allah the Almighty and warned them of his wrath. They responded, From what do you frighten us, O Muhammad ﷺ? By Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we are the sons and beloved of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They said just like what the Christians said. So stop in the report. So Rasulullah invites them, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. He warns them obviously with the Quran. And their arrogant response was, Who are you to frighten us? We are the children of and the beloved of Allah. And he mentions just like the Christians said. On that occasion, Allah the Almighty revealed verse 18. So this was the reason for the revelation of this verse. So not the endless... arrogance and unbelief of the Bani Israel 
And notice the hadith mentions the Christians. So now who or what is that referring to? So this is referring to Surah 2 verse 111. So in Surah Baqarah, Surah 2 verse 111, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he mentions. And they say, None shall enter paradise except he be a Jew or a Christian. Those are their vain desires. Say, produce your proof if you are truthful. In Ibn Abi Hatim, Ibn Kathir's tafsir, Qatada recited this portion of verse 111. Those are their vain desires means, these are wishes that they wished Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would, would answer without basis. So what is it mentioned? It mentions in Surah Baqarah verse 111. They say, the Jews and Christians, you will not enter paradise unless you are a Jew or you are a Christian. So Allah says, vain desires. Produce your proof if you are truthful. Verse 112. Nay, whoever submits his whole self to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and is a person of excellence, he will get his reward with his Lord. On such shall be no fear, nor shall they grieve. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, these are the ones who are successful. Those who are Muslims and do excellence. So here is a report. Sa'id ibn Jubair recited this portion of verse 112. On such shall be no fear means in the hereafter. Then he recited, nor shall they grieve means about their imminent death. So Allah the Almighty in glory is according to Sayyid ibn Jubair rahmatullahi He promises two things to the believer. He will have no fear, meaning in the hereafter. And he will not grieve, meaning at the time of death. Then verse 113. The Jews say the Christians have nothing to stand upon. And the Christians say the Jews have nothing to stand upon. Yet they profess to study the same book. So there's a report. In Ibn Ishaq, Ibn Abi Hatim, Ibn Kathir's tafsir, Abdullah Ibn Abbas, he said, When a delegation of the Christians of Najran came to Rasulullah, the Jewish rabbis also came and began arguing with them before Rasulullah. So look how interesting. The Christians of Najran came to talk to the Prophet. The rabbis got involved. And in the presence of the Prophet the Jewish and the Christian delegations now argue. Rafi ibn Huraymila, a rabbi, he said, you don't follow anything. And he reiterated his, delief, his disbelief in Isa and the Injil. Then a Christian man from Najran's delegation said to the Jews, rather you don't follow anything. And he reiterated his rejection of Musa salatu prophethood and his disbelief in the Torah. Thus, Allah Ta'ala revealed this verse, verse 113. The Jews say the Christians have nothing to stand upon and the Christians say the Jews have nothing to stand upon. Yet they profess to study the same book. So look how humorous. Both of them were misguided. They were arguing in front of Rasulullah and the rabbi said, we, because you don't follow anything. We don't believe in Jesus. We don't believe in the Injil. The Christian, you know, again, shame on him for saying it, just 
to get, you know, a retort. He goes, you don't follow anything. We reject Musa and we reject the Torah. So Allah revealed this passage. So what do you notice? These people, they say that they are the beloved ones. And yet they profess to follow the same book. The Old and the New Testament. And yet, look at the disparity between, between the two. So all of this helps to explain here, this verse. Where Allah Ta'ala says, both the Jews and Christians say, we are the sons of Allah. We are his beloved. And Allah Ta'ala, of course, rebuts this. Verse, verse 19. O people of the book, now has come unto you, making things clear unto you, our messenger, after the break in the series of messengers, lest you should say, there came unto us no bringer of glad tidings and no warner. But now has come unto you a bringer of glad tidings and a warner. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has power over all things. So now there's a report. So this report is recorded in Ibn Ishaq, Ibn Hisham, in his Sira, page 306 of the New English Translation, and Al-Hidayah ila Bulugh al-Nihayah, 2-1531. Ibn Ishaq, Rasulullah invited the Jews to Islam, exhorted them to believe in it, warned them of worshipping others than Allah, and frightened them of his punishment. But they did not accept his invitation. They disbelieved in what he brought them. Mu'ad ibn Jabal, Sa'ad ibn Ubad and Uqba ibn Wahab they said to the Jews O Jews fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala you know well he is Rasulullah whom you mentioned and described to us before his mission so stop in the report so this seems to be another incident the prophets invited them again they rejected but this time three of the Ansar reacted Mu'ad ibn Jabal, the chief of the Khazraj, Sa'ad ibn Ubad, Uqba ibn Wahab. And what did they say to the Jews? Look how interesting. Because you know his Rasulullah. What was their proof? Because of you, we believed. Because you called us, you told us about him. Rafi ibn Huraymila and Wahab ibn Yahuda said, We never said that to you. Nor has Allah the Almighty revealed the book after Musa. Nor has he sent a warner or bearer of glad tidings after him. On this occasion, Allah revealed verse 19, where he says, O people of the book, now has come unto you, making things clear to you, our messenger, after the break in the series of messengers, lest you should say, there came unto us no bringer of glad tidings, no warner, but now has come unto you a bringer of glad tidings and a warner. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has power over all things. The report continues. Then he, the Almighty, related to them the story of Musa والسلام, and what he received from them of harm and how they continued to disobey him and refute the command of Allah until they were lost in the wilderness for 40 years by way of punishment. So this is the report. So simply put, they rejected again. They even told the Ansar, we didn't tell you anything. So look how strange. They did tell them. The famous pledge of Aqaba when the Prophet was calling and what did the uh, six Khazrajis say? Because this is the one whom the Jews told us about. <laughs> and then he goes, don't let them beat him, beat, you know, beat us to him. So they embraced Islam because of the Jews. So when they now were telling the Jews, you told us, because we didn't tell you anything. Now who was one of the names here? 
which was mentioned in the previous report, when the Christians came and Huraymullah said, you don't follow anything, it's the same shaitan. The rabbis intervened again, so Allah is highlighting that it's the hierarchy of the, rab- the Jews causing the mischief. And then he mentions at the end of the report that Allah talks about Musa and the harm they caused him. And this will be discussed in the verses 20 to 26 in the next few sessions. So now in this verse, something very interesting is mentioned, which is easily missed. In the middle of verse 19, Allah says, Rusul After a break in the series of messengers. So what is that in reference to? So in the work, the final prophet proof of the prophet Muhammad by Sheikh Muhammad al-Shinawi, he mentions, uh, page 6, he quotes the hadith first. So the hadith is in Sayyid Muslim, number 2865. Our beloved messenger said, Indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala looked towards the people of the world and he resented the Arabs and the non-Arabs except for some remnants of the people of the book. So stop in the narration. So what did the Prophet Wasallam say? Allah looked at the world and he hated all of them except for a few of the people of the book. Then the Prophet Wasallam said, and he said, subhanahu wa ta'ala, I have sent you Wasallam to test you and to test others through you. And I sent down to you a book that cannot be washed away with water. So this is the hadith he starts the uh, clarification with. So what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? That he hated everybody on the earth except a small remnant from the people of the book. Who were these? So these were some of the teachers of Salman al-Farsi. Those who guided Salman to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa Those who were like hiding their iman. So this were, these were the only ones he had favorable, you know, favor to. The rest he hated. But then Allah the Almighty goes, I'm going to send you. And I'm going to test others through you. I'm going to send a book that cannot be washed away with water. Then the Sheikh, he mentioned, many experts believe that the 6th century was the worst in which to live. It was not 1346 to 1353 when the Black Death killed half of Europe. Nor was it 1520 when smallpox killed 60 to 90% of the indigenous people of America. No 1918, when the Spanish flu led to the deaths of over 50 million people, as Harvard University's Michael McCormick posits. So, stopping the quote. So, these were traumatic events in human history. 1346, Black Death killed half of Europe. Think about that, traumatic. Smallpox killed 1520, 60 to 90% of the indigenous people of America. 1918, Spanish flu killed over 50 million people. So one of the professors, Michael McCormick of Harvard University, he says, this was the worst time to live. And he gives a reference for it, which you can look. But the Sheikh says, that's not correct. It was actually the year 536. And the misery it spawned, which could be described as the worst period of all known human history. Anne Gibbons, she wrote a work in the Science Journal in 2018, why 536 was the worst year to be alive. So why? The Sheikh says, Wherever a person turned, darkness was surrounding them. 
Number one, in Roman Colosseums, crowds would cheer a lion as it mauled a screaming prisoner. People were thrown to the lions. Humanity was seeing this being witnessed. Number two, in Persia, even the imperial family practiced incest. As by the late Sasanian period, next of kin marriages had become normal in Zoroastrian law. So they would marry their brothers, the sister would marry their brother, etc., etc. This is the Persian Empire. Number three, in India, those at the bottom of the caste system were equivalent, if not inferior, to rats and vermin. Why? Because such animals were sometimes considered holy by building temples for them. So humans were some of the caste systems in the Hindu religion, they were worse than rats. Number four, in Arabia, finding a stone heart that could stomach burying his infant daughter alive was no challenge. Number five, in Christianity, mystery triumphed regarding the identity of Jesus Christ, many claiming he was God incarnate, whilst other faith groups alleged he was an imposter, preacher born out of wedlock. Number six, further east, people worship fire, water, weapons, and genitalia instead of the creator, the lungam. Number seven, in many societies, a woman was seen as having no soul or as having been created only to serve man and at times could even be, uh, be a means of pawning her over a recreational gamble with his friends or being burned alive at his funeral. Number eight, those born into slavery were generally unable to change their status. And in some major civilizations of that historical period, this sector of society exceeded 75% of the population. And it gives references. Mm -hmm. So this was the state in 536. Mm -hmm. With this being the condition of the world, how could Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala not offer a glimpse of hope for the people of this planet? Mm -hmm. It is unfathomable that a supremely compassionate, all-capable Lord would not intervene. Indeed, the most merciful did not abandon his creation, but he reached out to them again. And then he recited a verse, Surah 8, verse 42, so that those who perished through disbelief would perish upon evidence, and those who lived, i.e. with Iman, would live upon evidence. So look how beautiful. The Sheikh is quoting, obviously, other authorities. He goes, this was the worst time to live. I 536. And that was just before the arrival of the Prophet. So why did he go into this great elaboration? Because what does the Hadith say? Allah Ta'ala hated the world. The Prophet gave you the answer. Because the state they were in, everywhere you were looking, what the, what is going on here? Except for some remnants of the people of the book. And then he goes, I'm sending you now. Oh, my beloved, yeah. I to wake them up. So now, question, what does all this got to do with this verse? What does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? After the break in the series of messengers, there's 600 year gap between Christ and the Prophet That was a huge gap for no prophets because usually prophets came very quickly. <laughs> Whether there was sometimes there was a few on the planet at the same time, one passed away very quickly, another would be sent. So Allah mentions that between Christ and the Prophet there was a gap. 
O people of the book, now has come unto you, making things clear to you, our messenger, after the break in the series of messengers. Why? Look at the state mankind goes into without prophets. And this is why the prophet was the final prophet, because the revelation Allah promised, I am sending down to you a book that cannot be washed away with water. If the revelation is preserved, there is no need for another prophet. The, the revelation is preserved to this very day. So Allah was highlighting this is the final manifestation of Nabut. So note, though the verse was revealed in regards to the people of the book, within the verse there are other huge lessons the scholars also extract. SubhanAllah. And that's why the Prophet himself said to finish, he goes, there was no one between myself and my brother Isa. There was no prophets between myself and my brother Isa. So he testified that there was a 600 year gap. And look at the state, of course, humanity went into due to the lack of Nubuat. So I'll decide it was. And we will conclude. Wadhibillahi minash shaitanir rajeem. Bismillahi rahmanir rahim. وَقَالَتِ الْيَهُودُ وَالنَّصَارَى نَحْنُ أَبْنَاءُ اللَّهِ وَأَحِبَّاؤُهُ قُلْ فَلِمَ يُعَذِّبُكُمْ بِذُنُوبِكُمْ بَلْ أَنْتُمْ بَشَرٌ مِّمَّنْ خَلَقَ يَغْفِرُ لِمَنْ يَشَاءُ وَيُعَذِّبُ مَنْ يَشَاءُ وَلِلَّهِ مُلْكُ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ وَمَا بَيْنَهُمَا وَإِلَيْهِ الْمَصِيرُ يا أهل الكتاب قد جاءكم رسولنا يبين لكم على فترة من الرسل أن تقولوا ما جاءنا من بشير ولا نذير فقد جاءكم بشير ونذير والله على كل شيء قدير we pray to Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that He makes the Qur'an the Rabi of our hearts. And I pray to Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that He makes me for any edits which I may have inadvertently wrote. The one that we have is one of the Allahumma we have to go to Allah ilaha illa anta astafu liqa tu bilaika wa tibillahi minashid anjim subhanahu rabbika rabbil izzati amma yisikur wa salamu ala al-mursaleem wa alhamdulillahi 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 wa alhamdulillahi